Hello and welcome back to Is This Seat Taken? The podcast celebrating people who have many places to call home. I'm Amy Meadows, founder and producer at Amy Meadows Events and the host of this podcast, where we discuss what home means to different people and how that impacts culture, identity and finding our community wherever we are in the world. My guest today is the fabulous Alia Muro. Alia is an Egyptian-born, London-raised freelance journalist. Her first book, The Greater Freedom, Life as a Middle Eastern Woman Outside the Stereotypes, is out worldwide now via Little A Amazon Publishing. She holds a BA in Psychology and Sociology and a Master's in Journalism. She's been published in The Telegraph, Grazia, Refinery29, The Washington Post and more, providing unique takes on social commentary, fashion and lifestyle. She is a representative voice for both her generation and for multicultural women everywhere. I cannot think of a better guest to have on this podcast uh, talking about identity and culture than Alia. I met Alia a few years ago uh, when I heard her speak at an event and I had the pleasure of organising her book launch for The Greater Freedom, which was a fabulous night, if I do say so myself. And it was great to chat to her about what home means to her, particularly in light of the current COVID-19 crisis. Um, So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Alia Morrow. Hey Alia, welcome to Is This Seat Taken? Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat to you. It kind of occurred to me that I've not taken a break from work ever. Like I didn't do the uni thing, so I never really had uni holidays. So I literally left school (laughs) and I've been working solidly since then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, James, my partner said to me, it's like, when was the last time you took more than a week off? It's like, I actually can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, no, it must be Um, nice actually in like a weird way. I'm sure it's, it's, I think it's one of those things where it probably took us all a a bit of time to adjust at the beginning. and it's a, a lot of that, I think, is just the sense of like letting go of control, which the illusion of control, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's a sense of like collective grieving for 2020 because there was so much at the beginning of this year with everyone just like, this is my year, like yeah. 2020 vision. And, you know, we've all just had to kind of wind back from that and be like, OK, maybe not. But, <laughs> you know, it's a new it's a new chapter. I think yeah I think that's the thing it's just like reassessing what's actually important like all the things that we placed importance on and stuff a lot of a lot of those markers of success externally or popularity or a good life right have like kind of gone so it's just having to rebuild what that means for yourself and how to be as close to that as possible in this new way Mm. You must have been getting a lot of interesting commissions. I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, there's a lot of people wanting to articulate this. And I've been reading some of your stuff for Restless and I just, I love it. Thank you. No, what's been really cool actually is that I've not been focusing on my freelance journalism at all over the last few years because I just had to put all my efforts into my book. And through that, I kind of changed my mind, not changed my mind, but I I grew to be interested and want to explore different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's been really cool is that now kind of in in um, wanting to get back into freelance journalism or doing more of it, everything is new. 
So mm. I've been kind of trying to look at the world through this position of curiosity of like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder how coronavirus is going to affect this. Or I wonder how we're going to feel about that. Or, you know, I'm kind of just trying to um, ask these kind of different questions and not only just the mm. depressing ones, but like the funny ones and, the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I've been doing a lot of pitching and been really enjoying kind of, yeah, getting back into freelance journalism with this new vision of the, with the whole world being this new place mm, I loved your pitch on um hookup culture yeah. <laughs> I was like oh my god I'd not thought about that how yeah. grim like I can't think of anything worse right now you know from lockdown to like meeting someone as, as a one-night stand or whatever it just the idea of it is so repelling. <laughs> I just don't even know how anyone, like, I, everyone's like, oh, I'm so, I'm like dying to get back out there and, you know, go meet guys or whatever. And I'm like, okay, but like, how are you actually going to go about doing that now that you, you have been conditioned to be disgusted of people pretty much? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. It will be interesting. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be so many behavioural changes in people. And um, I've got a friend actually who works for Diageo in their marketing department. So obviously her whole job is creating marketing campaigns around booze. And her whole thing has had to change because it's gone from, you know, working with um, like bar managers and this kind of thing to talking about boozing at home or whether people are going off booze or boozing more or, you know, all this kind of thing. And they've been doing studies about how what the kind of transition period will be coming out of this and whether okay. people will go nuts and go out loads or whether actually there's an element of people wanting to phase it in a bit and what that looks like in terms of obviously for them for alcohol consumption but in terms of just socializing more generally and what behaviors will come out of that particularly if it's sort of in the summer it's like will it be pims in pub gardens or will it be bottles of rosé at home or detoxes like a huge detox at the end of all of this because I mean I don't know I speak for myself but our wine consumption has been off the charts which is <laughs> everyone awesome. needs everyone needs something I think but I, I don't know I think it will be so interesting because it's like on one hand we adapt so quickly which is how we've now kind of adapted to be in this new normal but on the other hand we're probably going to also adapt quite quickly to whatever the new normal is after this mm. um so who knows maybe we'll kind of just maybe we'll forget quicker than quicker than we think we will i think the, the challenge probably is to and there's a lot of you know obviously not to be flippant about it because a lot of people are dying and you know this is like a really like serious thing that's happening around the world but there's a lot of um, there's one quote in particular which i love which says in the rush to return to normal let's think about what aspects of normal are worth returning to and i think that that's something that it is important to remember and i hope that we don't just forget all the lessons and how nice it can be sometimes to just pause and you know, the things that we find important now are the things that we should also imp find important later and that we should have found important before, really. So mm -hmm. I hope we remember that. Yeah. And I, I hope there's a, a whole new wave of gratitude for just really basic things. Um, that's definitely something that we're trying to obviously living at school. We're now virtually teaching from here, which is wild. And just trying to instill in the kids, like, think about all of the things that you have to be grateful for while you're whinging about 
the fact that you have to be in lessons you know like think about what is being provided for you and and use this as an opportunity because you know and I, and I keep saying to them like write everything down like however you're feeling even if it's really flippant write it down or write a poem or paint something because this period of time is going to be you know it's going to be like our I don't know if it's, well, it's going to be in the history be like books our for 9/11. sure yeah it's going to be one of those things that people use as a marker for where you know where were you during this lockdown Definitely. or during this pandemic and you know and there is like a a before pandemic and after pandemic I think a hundred percent and I found that actually it's been I've always been quite conscious about trying to be grateful and I have a gratitude diary that I've been filling out for a few years and actually for the first few weeks of this pandemic of like self quarantine I didn't write in it at all and Mm. I really felt the kind of immediate impact that that was having on my sort of happiness levels throughout the day and stuff is that that kind of was removed from me and there still is so much to be grateful for you know so much so much Mm. like Mm -hmm. your health have a roof over your head like any number of things like and yeah so the past couple of weeks I've been trying to kind of get back into that and it's been so nice like I went for a walk the other day I'm like wow I can feel the sun on my face I've noticed Mm -hmm. that when you actively are trying to be in a more like gratitude mindset so for me when I write in my morning in my diary morning and night that really helps me throughout the day kind of look out for the things that I know are going to make it into the diary later Um, Mm. and it's a really nice way of kind of remaining present which I think is what we just have to we have no other choice but to be present right now literally Mm -hmm. we can't make plans in the future we can't like you know think too far ahead because we don't know what's going to happen um, and I think that that's actually a really good practice. I'm kind of weirdly enjoying having to just be super present. I don't think we ever do that usually. Mm, no, I, I completely agree. And like taking note of the changing season as well, I found really interesting, like going on walks and noticing how the light changes depending on what time of day you're going out and what plants are coming up and just the simple things that normally you know, if I was taking the dog for a walk in the morning, I'd be stomping around probably on the phone, you know, just like getting it done. And actually there's, there's so much, if you look around, there's so much to think about and consider and be really grounded in it. Um, But it's a good reminder as well that the world doesn't stop for anyone, right? Like the flowers are blossoming, the, it's uh all, it's all continuing while we think we're on pause. We're not on pause. We're actually not. And, and realizing that has been really freeing for me because at the beginning and again of course it takes a while to adjust and there's a massive grieving process that for the world for you know the way the things that we think we know um but realizing that actually i'm not on pause and that i can still be active in my own ways throughout the day has been really helpful for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it it is, it's, you know, people keep talking about the new normal, but I think that is it. It's like, what does it look like to move my body today? What does it look like to communicate with other people today? If I want to, what does it look like to work or create? Or, you know, what does that feel like today versus yesterday and six months ago? You know, it's a really interesting practice. And it could change. And it's not about holding ourselves to these like horrible standards and beating ourselves up. I think we have to be extra kind to ourselves and to other people right now. But it is just in that gentle way that you said, like, what does it feel? What does it mean to do this for myself today? And actually, I live alone. So it's been really, um, it's been really interesting for me to kind of 
make sure that I fill my day with sort of talking to people with, you know, what does it mean to make my, to take care of myself today, ultimately, and every day it looks different. Um, and mm. it's just, yeah, every day thinking, thinking about that day and just doing what you can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how, how are you spending your days generally? Um, yes, I've, I'm, I've always been obsessed with routine, which I'm finding is really helping me right now. Um, I've, I set 40 minute alarms throughout my day, my working day on like a, a normal basis. Um, and doing that now has been really helpful in kind of just dividing up my time, but I'm trying to differentiate like days from each other weekends from weekdays um but i start every day reading for 40 minutes like i always have and then i'll check the news i'll like then plug into my phone and what's happening um i found that when i do that first thing in the morning it just totally affects my whole day in a really negative way um and then i'll do like a bit of a workout i, I have like my trainer is really cool like very kindly training with me on skype Mm -hmm. um so that's been really nice to kind of just keep that kind of semblance of routine going and getting those endorphins is just amazing and then I'm working like the first few weeks I I didn't do anything and I was like I can't I don't know how what the hell oh my god and now I'm kind of like excited I have things you know stories I want to tell like I was saying things I want to explore um mm -hmm. I've launched like a newsletter like a bunch of a bunch of things actually so it's been it's been quite nice for me as of more recently because um my priorities kind of shifted and i started to think about okay what is it that i really want to want to do and there's there's this di diagram that i saw and it's three circles kind of interlinked in one circle it says what i love like in the other circle it says um what i'm good at and then in the third one it says what the world needs and mm -hmm. kind of figuring out what's in all th in the middle of those three circles is kind of what they call your purpose um and i think again it changes and stuff but yeah it's been it's been really nice recently i feel like i've been i've been following my purpose as as like cheesy as that sounds so i feel quite positive at the moment no that's that's amazing have you ever read um the desire map by daniel no. Laporte? that's add that to your list i'll send you the link it's um it's all about finding your purpose and finding she talks about um core feelings rather than um rather than wants like it's not about things that you want it's about the in the long term how you want to feel mm -hmm. and it's about moving towards your I think she's their four core feelings um and I've been working my way through her desire mapping process as part of lockdown uh, just to, I think I had a bit of a sort of quarter life crisis at the yeah. beginning of this going like, I think we all have, we if all I'm did. not a key worker, like what's my value, you know? Exactly. And, um, so yeah, I really recommend that if you're looking at things like that Venn diagram, it sounds very, yeah, I'll definitely pleasant. check that out. That sounds amazing. I think yeah. that's the thing though, isn't it? We all had that at the beginning. Like we were all like, what's the point? Oh, like, oh, everything that we ever was taught to believe has turned out to be incorrect, you know? <laughs> so, and I think it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like, let's just calm down. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's fr fragile. We're, we're all kind of fragile right now. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, I'm really excited about your newsletter. I think you have a real knack for sharing people's stories in a very human way. And I think this newsletter, I'm like itching for, for the next one to come out and the first like, set of stories, I think. Yeah, it's a really exciting time for creating things and, and giving, 
a platform to voices. Um, and I, I, think, I feel like everyone has something to say at the moment. I think people have something to say always. And I think what's been like storytelling for me has just been such an important tool in kind of getting to know myself better, um, getting to understand the world around me and, you know, make, making connections with people. And, you know, the response to the greater freedom was just so incredible in that, I've received hundreds of messages from Middle Eastern women as well as just women from or people from all different um, cultures kind of saying, oh, I related to this part or I know exactly what you mean or this is my experience. And people, I found that people wanted to share their stories with me as well. Um, and that felt really like I felt really privileged, like, oh, because I was so honest and vulnerable, you feel like you also can be honest and vulnerable about the things that we're not supposed to be speaking about. Um, so the more that that kind of happened, the more I felt like I really want to kind of have a community where firstly we can all come together because there's so much, I think shame festers when there's no dialogue or when you're mm. like not supposed to talk about something. And again, writing, writing the book and seeing the response to that and how, you know, my mom, my so many people, it kind of helped them lift the lid off their own shame and, and facilitate conversations within their own social social circles. And I wanted to provide a, a platform essentially where that could happen on like a bigger scale, I suppose, or one where we could all kind of come together. Um, so the newsletter is essentially going to be me kind of doing it like an, a little opening. And then every week I'm going to share a story from a Middle Eastern woman um, who can either be anonymous or like with her name. Um, and hopefully we can then all kind of connect and, and continue sharing and just all feel firstly more seen and more like our feelings and our opinions and our experiences and stuff are valid because, you know, there's a quote I come back to all the time, which is it's easier to be yourself if you can see yourself. And I, yeah, I think that's just really what I, what I, what I wanted to do with the book and now with the newsletter mm. is kind of just to provide that mirror. So can people can be like, Oh, me too. Like, cool. I'm let's, I'm fine then. I'm not like weird or I'm not a bad person or, you know, my feelings are valid and my experiences are valid. And that's, that's great. Cool. Let's get, let's crack on with life then. <laughs> mm. It's definitely like opened a Pandora's box of, really beautiful story sharing because some of, some of the stuff in your book is seriously like to the to the knuckle you know it's like you've laid your whole life out in a really vulnerable way it's so it's so bravely done and you know I don't mean that to sound patronizing at all but I kind of feel like you've really put your whole world into this book and and you talk a lot about um feeling both and neither as you know being Egyptian born and London bred and I I think about that a lot um, and how that can be, uh, how that can apply to lots of different contexts. And is that still something, is that still a central part of how you would identify yourself? And has that changed at all since these conversations have started happening after The Greater Freedom came out? I think what's been quite interesting for me, and I think that a lot of things kind of stem from this need or desire to fit into a box, like to be able to fit ourselves into a box, but also for the world to be able to say, this is who you are, or this is, you know, what you want. Um, and a lot of the book and a lot of my sort of 
life struggles, I guess you could say, has have been okay, so which one do I fit into? And a lot of this is kind of made worse by the fact that some things are attributed to being like a Western want or a Western behavior and something, a lot of things are being, are attributed to being like an Eastern want or an Eastern thing. Um, and I think that kind of makes it worse because you're like, oh, okay, so if I drink alcohol, then that means that I'm shunning my like Eastern heritage and actually I'm basically English, you know, or if like I'm, if I want this, then that, then that means I can't be that other part of me. And I think that writing the book really helped me in terms of kind of unpicking that and being like, wait, maybe that's not the case. And actually what's been really interesting, I'm reading a book at the moment, which was published in 1970. It's called um, Sisterhood is Powerful. And it's, it's a, an anthology of the women's liberation movement up until 1970, essentially. So it talks about all the ways in which women have been disadvantaged throughout history, like in laws and religion in every single thing. And reading this book, I'm just like, oh, wow. So in America and in the UK and stuff who now are like so liberal, it was exactly the same. And it was 50 years ago and women were discriminated against in every single area of life. And I think there's a lot of sort of pointing of the fingers of like that, you know, the Eastern, Eastern countries are really backwards. It's, oh my God, and women, look how they treat women and look how liberal we are. And actually it's been really interesting to find that that's not the case. It's the same all around the world to varying degrees and in different ways. But so that for starters helped me feel less like being myself meant that I was more one or the other. It kind of made me realize that we're all the same around the world. We kind of just are, have our own individual differences, which is normal, thank God. Otherwise, mm. that would be super boring. Um, so that was like number one of like, actually, I don't need to fit into one or other box. I can just be myself and like, that's fine. And that just means that I'm me, basically. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think that it, it definitely writing and speaking to lots of people and, and all of that kind of made me realize that everyone defines themselves in their own ways. And a lot of my friends in the Middle East, especially, they found this question of identity kind of bizarre. They didn't have it because for them, they know, they know who they are because they haven't been pitted against something else for each of mm. their behaviors, if you see what I mean. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's the real that's the real problem is kind of being like, this means that you're that, and that means that you're that, instead of that means that you're a human who prefers that. Yeah, and that, you know, you, you have this incredible set of cultures on both sides, and that you are a perfect combination of both, uh, and, and that it might change as you get older as well. You know, when you're a child, you're gonna be much more susceptible to other people's kind of influences and then as you get older you start to have this hopefully brilliantly liberating experience of just being able to go well actually this is what I believe now and and this is how I want to frame myself within these sets of cultures exactly. and then talking about it so that everyone else feels as though they have the choice to do that as well exactly yeah that's what I wanted to do really is kind of just be like well this has been my thought process throughout you don't have to agree with me at all actually but let's just hope that this sort of inspires you to maybe think about your own experiences in that way whether or not they're anything to do with mine mm, mm. 
no I, I, and that's the key isn't it it's it's um it's it's being entirely independent and that everyone has the power to do that exactly. and so on the on the subject of independence as well as being brought up in the UK and being born in Egypt, you also travel around quite a lot. So when the pandemic started, you were in LA, yes. just going and like working and being there. And it's one of my favorite places ever. So I was living vicariously through you while you were there. Um, oh, it's just, it's heaven. It's heaven on earth. Um, and you wrote a really beautiful piece for Restless about how having to travel or choosing to travel from LA back to the UK um, really cemented for you where home is. Yeah. And I was wondering if you would expand on that a bit further and how that brought that into focus for you. Yeah, it, it, it's, I actually meant to touch on that and then I went on that whole rant that I just went on. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it, like you said, it definitely changes as you get older based on different things. Um, and now what I've realized definitely is that home for me is London because this is where my family are. This is where I've grown up. This is where I know where my nearest hospital is, you know, like basic things like that. I have health insurance, NHS, you know, all of these kind of things. And actually it was really interesting because even my parents who lived most of, well, half of their lives in, in Egypt, they didn't even think about going to Egypt when this happened. Like they were like, okay, come back to London. We're all going to be in London. We don't live together, but it's fine. We're all going to be home in London together. And that was, yeah, really illuminating. It didn't even cross my mind that I would go to Egypt. And I think it's, it's been quite illuminating for a lot of people, probably what home then means for them, you know, where, where do I feel most comfortable? Where am I happy to be stuck for an amount of time that we don't know how long it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, where am I going to feel like I'm safe and that I have the things that I need? Um, mm -hmm. So for me, yeah, it's definitely, definitely made me realize that London is that for me. I was petrified in LA. I was literally sobbing. I think for a long time, none of us realized how, well, we didn't realize how serious this was at all. Like we were going about our daily lives. And I remember it was the day that the NBA announced that they would be canceling the rest of its season. Trump announced that he was about to close the borders to and from the UK. And I literally called like my mom and my dad and I was sobbing on the phone to them. Like, I don't think they even knew that I could still cry like that. They were like, are you okay? Um, and I was just so scared at, at the notion that I might be stuck there in an Airbnb essentially without my family, without health insurance, without anything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah so i'm really happy to be home <laughs> yeah. it's it's all well and good the kind of glamour of moving around and our ability to travel i think until you lose the ability to get home yeah like you know so much of the joy of traveling is knowing that you can come home at the end of it and i i really felt that in your article where i was like god the, the idea of being trapped somewhere you know and there are so many people who are currently away from their families whether you're in the same country or not and I, I think that's one of the most frightening things about this is you know with everyone being grounded it's like how do you stay connected to that feeling of home even if you're not with the people that you make your home with and you yeah. know you know like, like you obviously I don't live with my parents anymore but the idea that we're away from each other for this amount of time is really um challenging and I, I you know I think as adults we need to talk about that but you know particularly if we've got elderly parents or whatever you know it's like it, it is 
it's helping us redefine what home is. It's like, is yeah. it a place? Is it a person? Um, is it a feeling? And, you know, how, how would you say you define home? I think it's a feeling. I think it's that feeling of, yeah, comfort and feeling like you've got everything you need or like you would know how to even go about getting the things that you need like small things like and it's funny because when that's one of the reasons why i love going to la is to challenge that notion of home for myself um and to kind of see what it is that makes me feel at home somewhere and it's always things like when i figure out like where a, a re like a nice coffee shop near me is or you know it's things that when i figure out like how to use my washing machine whatever like basic things when i know where the nearest hospital is like i said stuff like that and i mm. think that's yeah where that's that's what home has for a long time met for me um even like where i'm in the same time zone as my family you know mm. um like i was thinking if i was to have got stuck in la i would have been nine hour time difference and that even that, like not being able to like, thank God for technology. I don't know what we would be doing without it at this point, because it's just completely helping us keep in touch. And when it's things like time zone, that kind of complicates it. But I've been actually mm -hmm. doing, I have a daily um, FaceTime with my mom and my brother at six o'clock every day. And that's mm -hmm. just been such a like nice thing to look forward to. And again, routine has just been helping me so much, but that's been so lovely to be able to do that. And I think it's just figuring out, like you said, new ways to keep in touch with people, new ways to show your love, new ways to show that you care. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, it's never been more important. No, yeah, I think you're so right. And, and how, you know, so, so we first met, well, that's not true, one of the ways that we've worked together in the past was doing your book launch. Yes, and... you did the best job ever. <laughs> and that room was packed full of people who love you. And it, the whole, the vibe in that room was like absolutely off the charts. And how have you managed to keep those friendships and those relationships alive in this period of time? And how do you more generally, you know, it doesn't have to just be now. Um, that was like the best day of my life, by the way. I just say that. <laughs> you did such an amazing job. It was so lovely. And like some of my friends flew over from Egypt. Like it was just so special. Um, I think that I've always, it's weird because for me, I've always lived far away from at least some of my friends or at least some of the people that I love. Um, I've moved back and forth between London and Egypt a bunch of times and every time I'm leaving behind people that I love in one of the countries um, and so I think I've just learned how to keep in touch in a way and technology again has just been such a game changer like MSN Messenger was the what like that, that was is a throwback <laughs> me in touch with a lot of friends for a very 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 long time and then I guess it just develops from there doesn't it like now we have whatsapp like now we have house part like a million 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 ways to keep in touch so it's just about um making sure that you do that I actually do I, I actually I'm a bit weird I think now that I keep saying these things I'm like I have a lot of weird routines but like every however long I'll look at what the date is and then I'll go back two weeks and any of my like really good friends that I haven't, like I'll scroll down on WhatsApp and any of my really good friends that I haven't spoken to before that date, I will message. You are a good friend. That is 
I mean, that is commitment to a cause. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just like to keep in touch with my friends. Like they, they mean a lot to me. And I think they like growing up, I used to, my family, we didn't used to really get along. Now we really do. But you know, silly things when you're growing up, you're just like, oh, don't tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> so my friends were so important to me. So important to me. And like, I've been single for a bunch, like a number of years. So my friends are, are literally my family in so many ways. Um, so yeah, I want to chat to them. No, that's so great. I think, and I really think there's no shame in having a system. Like, I love that you said <laughs> that because I think everyone who, you know, we all love our friends and, and, uh, you know, those of us who are, you know, fairly outgoing and particularly like have our own businesses or a freelance, like we're quite good at making connections with people and, but you end up with just all of these amazing friends and then suddenly there's a guilt around making sure that you've checked in with everyone and, yeah. and I think actually having a having a system like that might be a really I'm speaking for myself now might be a really good thing to yeah start and you know and then at least you don't get that sense of whatsapp fatigue which I think is starting to kick in now for a lot of people it's like we've been in lockdown for so long I look at whatsapp and it's like a black hole of <laughs> <laughs> you know lots of lovely messages but you just you could spend all day yeah you know, and I think a carefully a carefully timed voice note to your closest is is can yeah. be really meaningful right now. But even with that, because I've got my alarms on, oh God, I'm actually psycho. Because I've got <laughs> my alarms the whole day, I don't check my phone the whole time because I'm only allowed to check it at certain times. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm so, actually it's, concerned um... about myself now. <laughs> no, I think like I respect a system and. <laughs> And I guess when you live alone, you can have that level of like military precision because you don't have to consider anyone else's timetable in that. Um, I don't know how I'm ever going to consider anyone else's timetable ever again. <laughs> I was speaking to my friend yesterday and she um, has just started seeing a man um, and they've been what, seeing each other maybe... quarantine? Well, no. So they've been seeing each other prior to quarantine for like four months. Okay. They went on a holiday, which was a really like spontaneous, amazing holiday, but then came back and lockdown started that night. So they've, she's been in his house. Oh my God. <laughs> the whole of lockdown. And she was like, I've completely forgotten what it's like sharing a space with another person and like with a boy. And like, <laughs> you know, and just, it's all those, all those cliches, but she said they've had to kind of be very disciplined about spending time apart and like going on walks separately and this kind of thing I just think that must be a real head screwer I've got some friends who have been in long-term relation like relatively long-term relationships and they've locked down separately and one mm. of my best friends was like I just don't think that I should we should put that kind of strain on our relationship like we love each other why would we want to do that I have a lot of respect for that. I guess I obviously think, they have the option, right? But I'm like, okay, sure. interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I think there are so many like nuances to this and, and people choosing to stay or not. I mean, we definitely had, so as a week, my, my partner is a huge introvert. Like he gets all of his energy from being on his own and I'm the exact opposite. So I just <laughs> want to surround myself with people all the time. So we had a week of adjustment where both of us were just like, how are we going to do this? <laughs> For, for the long term because we're never ever at home for this amount no. of time ever I think what I think one of the things I've realized is because there's so many articles of like 
oh, it's so hard to be single during lockdown. And there's so many articles that are like, it's so hard to like have partner and like also have, you know, there's, there's so much of both. And I think what I've realized is that I, it's just put up a magnifying glass, basically the situation. So whatever you like, if you were happy before, you're going to be okay. If you were unhappy in any way before, you're going to be way more unhappy now, whatever your situation is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's if it. you're happy, um, you're happy. You know, it's not like obviously within more or less, but if you are already a bit like sad about being alone and now you're in isolation, you're going to be really extra sad, you know? Yeah. And you don't want to be that friend to make that point. That's like, maybe this is to do with decisions that you made way before lockdown. Oh my <laughs> <Like>, God. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you need to lie and sleep in your own bed that you made, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. Harsh. <laughs> yeah no but I think I think you're right I think it is showing a magnifying glass and you know I think some people are having a lot of fun in lockdown and it's also tricky to say that because clearly no one no one wants this to be happening no one is here by choice and it it is a horrible thing that's happening around the world but I I think for some people it has been a real break or a real opportunity to like reconnect with partners or housemates or you know or just or yourselves or you know just reassess um and there's so much guilt you know for either being one way or the other being happy being unhappy working not working it's like you know there's guilt that's carried but again like guilt is our jam all the time Mm -hmm. all the time like we are forever made to feel guilty about something so why again would this be any different Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah again it's just a it's a magnifier it's definitely that Um, I want to come back to moving around and the sense of like home and identity and grounding in different places and I think you shared with me that you you moved around a lot as a as a kid and I wonder if that has made you more resilient when you're moving around either permanently or when you're going abroad for different reasons and if there are any practices that you have for when you arrive in a new place to really ground yourself there good question um i think again a lot of it comes back to knowing what it is that will make you comfortable or happy um and kind of trying to just make sure that you do that regardless of where you are. I think what I realized, again, it sounds super cheesy, but I realized is that like home a a little bit, obviously you don't want to within reason, but it is is inside you to a certain extent. And I think it is kind of just figuring out what it is that makes you feel that and not, I think that's the thing about routine is that when we do it enough, those things become such a big that that just becomes how we do things so it becomes who we are um and then when you stop doing them you realize that it was those habits that made you who you are and made you feel the way that you felt not just because you were born that way Mm. does that make sense yeah so that the habit leads to the behavior which is just the, the things that you, you are, do are who you are. The things that yeah. you do are who you are, basically. Um, and I think, and I guess that's why I love my little routine so much and stuff, is that th- those are what make me 
feel as happy and safe and comfortable as I can be. Mm. Um, and I think it's about, you know, it's about figuring out what those things are for yourself and making sure that as much as possible, no matter what situation you're in, that's in life, that's like real happiness, right? That's like Buddha level is when you're like, I know who I am and nothing can sway me. Mm. Um, and I'm able to kind of keep this stillness and this certainty regardless and in spite of. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's obviously much much easier said than done but yeah and you know and there there are practices that you can bring in you know talking about your gratitude journaling um i think sometimes we are able to imbue some objects as well with with that feeling so i know when i move around there's like certain things i mean i'm a, I'm a bit hippie so there are a few crystals and things i carry with me everywhere but and certain notebooks that i'll take you know and just having those it's like it allows you to have that rootedness wherever you are exactly um, and you know that'll be that'll be different for everyone but yeah. um yeah I'm interested in your your gratitude in the morning and in the evening and like the, which, which encourages you I suppose to then find things throughout the day it's like you know if I've done this lot in the morning there's, there's got to be another set of things by the yeah and what's interesting is that often so in the morning the diary that I have it will say three things I'm grateful for one way that I can make today amazing and like an affirmation. And then in the evening, it will say three amazing things that happened. How could I improve? And um, I think that's it. yeah, how can I improve and three amazing things that happen. And what's been what's really interesting is that a lot of the time, the things that you'll write in the evening as having been the amazing thing will be something to do with what you wrote in the morning so like something mm. that you're grateful for or a way like a way that you can make today amazing or whatever like you kind of put these things in motion in the morning and they do echo through your day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. like setting the intention yeah that yeah no that's beautiful and do your affirmations change yeah they do they do there'll be some periods of time where it will be the same the same thing um, because I maybe, I guess that's what I need to like hear or tell myself. Um, and then other times it will be something completely different. At the moment, it's been quite repetitively, like I am okay, or I am happy and healthy, you know, something like mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. And I think you, you kind of know what you need to, you kind of, it's like a hug that you give yourself in the morning. Oh, Cute. I That's a beautiful soundbite to end on. <laughs> I need all the hugs I can get right now. Oh, yeah, that must be. I was thinking about that. Um, isolating alone, that lack of physical contact. This uh, that's a it's a personal question, but I I just that must be tough. Actually, like finding ways to self soothe must be quite challenging. I, I think that's why you have to just be as kind as you can be to yourself. Um, mm. But I've definitely noticed that I've like been stroking my hand when I watch TV. <laughs> I like stroke my own hand. I'm gonna like hug you through the screen. <laughs> Sad times. Anyway, I'm totally fine. No one feels sorry for me. It seems like you you've got lockdown nailed. Like at least your lockdown routine. It's very um, one day at a time. One day yeah. at a time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am. Um, 
thank you for your honesty around that as well. I think, um, I don't know, I, I think sometimes it can look really effortless to be okay in this situation and to like find that sense, that feeling of home. You know, for some people it looks like they're not even trying, but actually there is a lot of work that goes into feeling that secure and that safe and that still, particularly alone, particularly when you're, you know, somewhere else, somewhere, wherever that might be. Um, I think there's, there's always a lot, a lot of work that we all put in to be the people that we are. And this could have been like, this is work accumulation throughout all of our years. Mm. Mm. I'm getting really woo woo. I think I'm spending too much time by myself. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like all up in my feelings. No, but it's good. And I, and I, <laughs> I was speaking to my friend about this. I was like, I really think I've gone through a series of like existential crises during lockdown and really thinking about like intrinsic value and like growth and personal development in a way that I've just never thought of it before yeah. because I've been on this hamster wheel. And so when people do start to get a bit woo woo, and it's funny when you talk about home and identity, even outside of this lockdown period, people do get very philosophical about it. Yeah, um, that's true. I think it really connects to um, like people's sense of just who, what, who they are as they move around different places and as people's contexts change like keeping that central golden thread of like, who am I in all of these different situations? Um, it's a very it's a really good way of putting thing. it. Yeah. It's a really nice way of putting it. I really like that. The golden thread of who you are throughout everything. Mm. Mm. And that's it. That's, that's your life's work, isn't it? So yes. Thank you. It's been gorgeous. Thank and you. What a juicy set of insights from Alia there. She's definitely got me thinking about what systems and routine I can bring in um, during this lockdown period and also beyond. Um, I love the idea that creating routine and systems that you take with you wherever you go is a way of grounding yourself in a new place and creating a home away from home. Uh, thank you so much to Alia for taking the time out to speak to me and be on the podcast. It was um, it was fantastic to have her as a guest. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with Alia or order The Greater Freedom or join her brand new newsletter, The Greater Conversation, all of those links are in the show notes. Um, do go and take a look. I cannot recommend the book enough. It's an excellent read, so get your hands on it using the link below. If you have enjoyed this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe and leave us a review. Um, as a new podcast, it means the world and really does make a big difference. You can also get hold of me on Instagram or by email. All of my contact details are in the show notes and it would be absolutely gorgeous to hear from you. Stay safe and well in these crazy times and looking forward to seeing you on the next one.